Welcome in, welcome back for those of you who had the opportunity to check out the last podcast. This is our second episode going in, so if you don't know or you've been living under a rock, you know that this is the place that you've come to, the right place as I like to call it, where you get nothing less than 110% honest, uh, truthful, trustworthy breakdown of basketball in every facet of the game the prep high school level the collegiate level as well as the NBA level right here we call it Tate's Take the podcast Uh, and I'm glad that I mentioned something about the NBA because that's where I really want to go with today's episode on Tate's Take, the podcast. Before we jump right into it, want to remind everybody uh, that you can go and check us out. We are streaming. We're on iTunes. Uh, the whole nine. You look us up. Look us up. Uh, Tate's Take, the podcast. Just look up Tate's Take. That's T-A-T-E apostrophe S-T-A-K-E. Follow us as well on Instagram uh, in addition to on Twitter where I like to stay uh, up to beat and, and, and just uh, very current with the tweets in regards to everything that's going on around the basketball world and any and everything going on in between 94 feet. That is on the social media platform at Tate's Take Hoops. Was once at Tate's Take Sports, changing that up a little bit to at Tate's Take Hoops, branding it a little bit differently, surrounding uh, primarily around the sport of basketball. Again, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. Now, as I teased it, talking a little bit about the NBA, I want to jump right into this Team USA thing, which seems to be a fairly hot topic around uh, the sport of basketball. And, you know, I, I, I sit back and I was highly anticipating the rematch game, which happened to be an exhibition game in Melbourne, Australia, between Team USA and Australia, the Australia Boomers. Game one, 102 to 86, we saw in that very first game with Miles Turner, 15 points, 14 rebounds, two assists. Uh, Kemba Walker, 23 and six rebounds, one assist. A little bit shocking and surprising there from Kemba Walker because I felt like a little bit of the bigger concern was probably the fact that he had more rebounds than he had assists. Or the fact that he only had one assist as a point guard on this team and probably the biggest name or feature in uh, participating on this USA team. Uh, Now, when you look at the Australian Boomers, 19 points, four rebounds, one assist by a guy named Chris Golding, who I was extremely impressed by. And then, of course, you got your Patty Mills, 19 points, two rebounds, three assists in that game. Now where the United States had the edge 48% from the field in comparison to Australia's 40. Uh, And I'm not going to kill you guys too much with all of these numbers, but I want to make sure I break these things down because they are extremely critical in terms of how the United States played in the following two games. 45% from three for the states. Australia, 39% from three. 78% for the states from the free throw line. That's seven of nine. Uh, Would have thought that I would have seen the United States go to the free throw line a little bit more than nine times, but that didn't happen. Wasn't necessarily or nearly uh, aggressive enough to my liking, and that's kind of the dilemma that I have with USA basketball right now. Very close in comparison to Australia and what they shot from the stripe, 76%. Now, obviously, what was expected was, regardless as to how much bigger the United States was uh, in comparison to Australia, 
you know, they, they did what they were supposed to do in my eyes. Out-rebounded Australia by 17. Um, but probably the biggest concern and that I've seen in a, a combination of three games total has been moving the basketball around. And I'll touch on that a little bit more later, but only 18 assists in this particular contest to Australia's 24. Now, I think that going into the second game exhibition, of course, these are all exhibition games. So granted, we don't want to, you know, assume that it's going to hold too much weight, but it does have some sort of emphasis because we are talking about USA basketball and they're expected to be the best in the world not just the best in the world regardless of the talent I mean of course you're going to have other talented teams out there uh, but not necessarily more talented but the expectations of USA basketball is extremely high for good reason and they typically take home the gold now, when you're looking at it I felt like Australia could make an argument that they saw USA's best game in the very first exhibition game Chris Goulding went on and said, you know, that they felt like they had to maintain the intensity. Uh, they had a huge emphasis on rebounds and had too many defensive lapses in the first game. Then you have Kimba Walker, who stated that, that they're going to give it their all in game two. And for me personally, that's more of a, a PR comment because I feel like that's something personally that is supposed to be said that they're going to give it their all in game two. I don't know if that meant that they didn't give it their all in game one, but they do understand that there were some defensive miscues and also a couple other miscues in, in a few other particular areas. But as we're moving forward through it, and I'm sitting here looking at this roster, as we're getting into the second game now, which the United States was defeated in that particular game where you have this Australian team who is seasoned. They do have veterans on their team. They do have some NBA players on their team and not only uh, NBA players, but former NBA players on their bench as well. Luke Longley is an assistant coach for them. Now, as I'm looking at it, starting for that second game, Harrison Barnes, Marcus Smart, Donovan Mitchell, Miles Turner, and Chris Middleton. I'm not this is my gripe with head coach and Greg Popovich. How are you not starting Kimba Walker in this game? And I know that it's an exhibition game and he's maybe trying to mix it up a little bit and kind of make some adjustments and see what he has or does not have and, and trying to make sure that the lineups work in his favor. And just in case you guys haven't noticed, of course, you're not going to hear any Paul Georges and LeBron Jameses and Kawhi Leonard's and Steph Curry's and any of those names in this roster. Here's the USA roster. Harrison Barnes. Let's start there. Kimba Walker. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, a pair of uh, Boston Celtics teammates, Mason Plumley. If I would have known you were going to have Mason Plumley on the roster, you might as well went ahead and got Marshall Plumley, the younger brother, to go along with him, as far as I'm concerned. Marcus Smart, Derek White, who is clearly just somewhat coming onto the NBA scene. I mean, you've got to be a extremely die-hard basketball guru to know Derek White. Not the average person knows who Derek White is. And maybe he made the roster because he plays for the San Antonio Spurs and everybody's got to have just one. I mean, I remember back to the days of the Dream Team, Christian Leitner, was on that team with all those guys, Patrick Ewings and Magic Johnsons and Michael Jordans and 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 Carl Malones and John Stocktons and and so forth. 
Joe Harris on this team, along with Brooke Lopez, Donovan Mitchell, as I stated, Miles Turner again, and Chris Middleton. Now, Luke Longley being the assistant coach for the Australia Boomers, uh, Chris Golding, Patty Mills was a starter on this uh, team as well, formerly of St. Mary's, three St. Mary's players on this Australia team. That's obviously where the pipeline is coming through. Um, for the Gales, Matthew Dellavedova, I'm pretty sure everybody's familiar with him, Jock Landale, all three of those guys, St. Mary's College uh, alums, Andrew Bogut, a former number one pick, Joe Ingles, currently for the Utah Jazz, and Aaron Baines, who has uh, been a significant piece for a lot of uh, NBA teams currently. Now, I think it's pretty clear that Australia entered the game, and FIBA in general focused on beating or being the first team to defeat Team USA. They had the first crack at it, and clearly they did so in Game 2. But I think it also became very evident that and doubtful more so than anything that Australia could win this game if the United States scored into the 100s. Um, I, I thought that Chris Golding off the off the or Goulding rather off the bench for Australia uh, provided a, a an ultimate spark. You know, after his game one performance, it's clear that the FIBA brand is built around team chemistry. A lot of these guys on the international level been playing together for quite some time, and I understand that that's not necessarily the case for the United States, but chemistry plays a huge part. And a lot of these guys on these teams, they play very basic, simple, fundamentally sound basketball, the same way that James Naismith created this back in 1891. Players and teams that typically may not, again, always be as talented as the United States, but they will play extremely hard for you. You know, one thing I don't want to hear is I don't want to hear all the excuses for the absence of talent for Team USA where you don't have a lot of these teams because you're looking at Team Australia. Ben Simmons, an Australian. Dante Exum, an Australian. Two guys that were, what, top five picks at one point not too long ago in the NBA, neither of them participated. Even when you're looking at Team Canada, R.J. Barrett, who's a top three pick in this past year's NBA draft, was not participating for Team Canada. And we'll get to them in a second. But I really felt like moving without the basketball is a strength for most of these international teams. It's always kind of been that way. But for the United States, it's not been particularly great. I feel like that's an area that the United States will continue to struggle with defensively. I really do. Those are things that lead to hustle points, that moving without the basketball, something that's so critical. Because everybody, when you're watching a game, and I always watch basketball with a different eye than everyone else, and everybody else always says, man, I know more about basketball than you. And I've been watching longer than you. Well, yeah, I mean, you're older than me, so I would imagine. Yeah, but guess what? But we're watching the same game, the same exact game, but with different eyes. And I say all that to say when you're paying attention to, you know, just where the basketball goes, that's not doing you any justice. But what is is who's moving without the basketball. I'm always paying close attention to that. Those are things that lead to hustle points and second chance points, etc. 
Australia cannot allow or nor afford the United States to get into extended leads and runs the same way that they did in the first game. And that's exactly what they did. Being careful not to shoot themselves out of games. Patty Mills, who, yes, helped them in the second game, in the exhibition. But yet still, if those shots were not falling, it's not like he's a a, a, a deep perimeter threat. His, let me tell you something, Patty Mills' performance reminded me a lot of, who was that that played for, uh, I think it was Puerto Rico, if I'm not mistaken. And that's like really bothering me. You know how you always trying to remember something, you can like, dang it. I always can remember this when I'm not trying to pay attention to it. But now that I'm actually looking for the name, I can't find it. Carlos Arroyo. There we go. That's the type of performance that Patty Mills had. And while his shot selection, I think, is questionable and is a concern, realistically, he believes that his next shot is going in. Regardless as to what his percentage is throughout the course and the duration of the game, he believes it's going in. I don't think he's ever seen a shot that he doesn't like. And that's the exact same way that he shot. But guess what? He made it count when he needed to. I think minimum of 80% of Australians first half, Australia's first half baskets were from close range and penetration of such. That's another concern for the United States moving forward is their lack defensively in terms of penetration on the opposition. Andrew Bogut, who had more assists than he had rebounds in game one, I think was very telling. I'm just kind of curious as to how Team USA will fare in rebounds and assists going forward when they're playing against teams that can maybe not compete in terms of talent, but can certainly um, just not read the names on the front of the jerseys and go out there and put it all out on the line. And I think that this is a pretty vulnerable United States team, considering the fact that Australia shot 14% from three in the first half of this second game of the exhibition against the United States 41%. By the way, Kyle, Kyle Kuzma sitting out with an apparent ankle injury and is not going to be available for the remainder of the FIBA World Cup? Yeah, okay. Ankle, huh? Okay. Is that the same story that everybody else is going with now? De'Aaron Fox saying that he all of a sudden just doesn't want to play on Team USA anymore after going through the extensive period of being on the team, an arguable starter maybe, because he wants to focus on his role with the Sacramento Kings and leading them to the playoffs and getting prepared for an extensive season. Now that sounds good, but that's another PR answer. If we're just being real about this thing, and and I'm a true and firm believer of this, and I don't think he's by himself. I'm a true and firm believer that a lot of these guys just did not want to play for Coach Popovich. One of the benefits that I think playing under Coach K was not just the relationship that a lot of these players have with Coach K, had with Coach K, being recruited out of high school, they respect him. They know him. They, they 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 knew him going in, and he lets them open up and play their game. That's not some pop saying we're gonna do this my way. This is the way, and I'm just paraphrasing here. I'm 
a wild guess, I suppose, but it sounds much like pop. This isn't, you know, this isn't just going to be, you know, an open run, an open gym. We're not about to just practice on things. While I respect that you're trying to put something in place, and I get it, you're playing for the gold and all that, and even though I know that the playing for your country and playing for the United States probably doesn't hold the same kind of weight or water that it once did, I will say that I feel comfortable enough to say that guys just didn't want to play for him. I could be on an island somewhere else. Word on the street, according to my sources, Coach Popovich wanted to to give a little bit more or honor more playing time to Derek White than he did De'Aaron Fox. From De'Aaron Fox, I'm not playing for this team either. What am I doing here? You got to be kidding. I'm a lottery pick. Was this dude even drafted? Hmm. But Kyle Kuzma is sitting out now because of an apparent ankle injury, and people wonder why this roster looks the way that it does. The United States needs to be alert of the opposition moving forward. They're sneaky, quick outs in transition beating the United States at their own game because they know they're not going to be able to get up and down with the United States in terms of transition and athleticism. So look to see a lot of these teams getting out into transition in terms of uh, outlet passes, uh, maybe a little cherry picking here and there from time to time, but certainly within the half-court offense and sets, some 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 giving goes and some 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 backdoor joes. I call it backdoor joes. Some backdoors, things of that nature. Looking to beat them in the at their United States at their own game. And how concerned should we be of Team USA's loss to Australia on a scale from one to ten? One being uh, the least and ten being the most. I give it about a minimum, bare minimum seven. If I'm just being quite honest. I think it's a seven. Teams aren't scared of Team USA anymore. And guess what? For damn sure not this Team USA. I can tell you that much. I'm curious as to know, did Australia give the blueprint to some other teams on how to beat the United States? One thing that particularly that they did was they stayed within reach. They did that well, and they never let the game get away. I think that was something else that was very, very telling. Again, with just a little bit of a reset, you're listening to Tate's Take, the podcast edition. Be looking out for a couple things coming up as we get closer to the college basketball season. We're going to have Tate's Take, the magazine. Be on the lookout for that. Going to give you some inside detail to what to expect for the upcoming college basketball season. Even uh, a basketball dads is going to feature a lot of NBA dads, some people that I've been blessed uh, and honored to have a, a developed and established some relationships with some some players that are currently in the NBA, uh, in addition to uh, some of their dads. And so I want to talk to some of some of the dads of some NBA players to give you guys a little bit of a twist Uh, A little bit of a different outlook on some of the guys that you see running up and down the floor every single night for 82 games minimum.
Team USA's chemistry is still in the works. I don't think Popovich or anybody on that roster uh, or anybody that has actually watched would disagree with that. But I'm curious to know who on Team USA's roster would remain on the team if other NBA top or second-tier players participated in the World Cup. Who on this team would be playing? If the LeBron Jameses and, you know, Steph Currys and Klay Thompsons and all the other Kawhi Leonards and all the other stars in the NBA decided to play, who on this current USA team would still be on the roster? Maybe Kimba Walker? I think that's... I think that's pretty solid to say that he can make that team. I don't know if Kyrie Irving would play on that team or whatever. But if you take the best of the best from the NBA, who on this current team is still on the team? Maybe Donovan Mitchell, but he wouldn't see much time, I would imagine. Depending on what you call much time. But those are probably the only two that I can realistically see. I don't think we'll see Kyle Kuzma's and and Mason Plumleys and 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 any of and very many of any of these other guys participating if some of the best players in the United States were playing on this team. Should Australia's win be discounted considering the fact that Team USA's roster or lack of elite talent, even the fact that it was an exhibition, should it be discounted? I don't think so. You put your players out there on the floor, I put mine out there, exhibition or not. You win, you win, you lose, you lose. We saw them lose already to, what was it, like the L.A. Select team with a bunch of guys who didn't even get drafted or got drafted second round and lost in a scrimmage 36-17. to 17. Like, what does this really mean? And I know some of the biggest questions, why aren't the NBA's elite players participating? Basketball is becoming year-round now. Like, there is no more... You know, letting a kid be a kid anymore. It's that way on the NBA level. It's that way on the collegiate level. It's that way on the high school level with AAUs and pro-ams and the whole nine. It's not giving kids the opportunity to be kids anymore. And unfortunately, I think that's one of the reasons why we're seeing so many more injuries. Because guys aren't giving their bodies an opportunity to take a break, which essentially in a roundabout way, is not giving their bodies an opportunity to grow. It's almost like is playing for or representing Team USA nowadays less meaningful? And if so, why? It just doesn't seem to have the same kind of spunk or the same kind of appeal that it once did. Now, I was the guy that said I don't expect for Team USA to lose to Canada though I wouldn't be surprised if they did. They should go out there and take advantage the way that they're supposed to. Considering all things against Australia, a huge third quarter gave Australia some confidence to push through as they led by two entering the fourth quarter. And they had they had a little home cooking. Not in terms of cheating, but just the home crowd behind them. Like I said, perimeter defense, a huge concern for Team USA, especially when athleticism is null and void. It's no longer a factor. Also considering the fact that, you know, is this another reason to be concerned 
about Team USA going forward because Australia didn't necessarily have to play their A game in order to beat the United States. Like, where does Australia rank amongst the best World Cup teams? I know they're much more confident now. Maybe, I'm not even sure that they're a top three team in the World Cup. But they smelled blood against the United States. So I kind of wondered what adjustments will or should the United States make? And they made some. They didn't make some. We'll talk about what they did against Canada. But those games, those pair of games that they played in front of, I think, a combination of, what, 108,000 people or something like that between both, both, uh, both games in terms of uh, a combination of both kind of had a little bit of, of a Final Four feel to it, kind of had a little bit of a Final Four atmosphere. And then I'm looking at this roster like, how many NBA champions are on this roster? If I'm not mistaken, I think every single, and I don't know how far back this goes, I'd be willing to bet that it goes back to the year I was born, 1984, that every USA team in the Olympics, or let's just say even for FIBA, for World Cup, had an NBA champion on it. This is one that doesn't. This is one that what only, and I know that this probably isn't anything outlandish or crazy, but has one NCAA national champion on it, and that's Kimba Walker. And then on top of that, looking at this game where they lost to Australia, the referees were bailing out Team USA in the fourth quarter. A Derek White falls to the floor, hits his head on the hardwood, tripped over his own feet, here comes the referees. Here comes the guys in the, in the, in the footlocker shirts calling for the foul when he tripped over his own feet. Jalen Brown goes up for a layup. Andrew Bogut swats it away. The ball goes clearly off of Jalen Brown. But, again, calling for the foul. Jalen Brown's going to the line. Shooting two. See, Team USA's limited ball movement, I think, was the, the their lack of ball movement Limited ball movement, I think, was the first sign of vulnerability for them. You didn't see many touches. There was the urgency didn't play into their favor, playing under urgency down the stretch. They never stretched the defenses, forcing the defense to work by moving the ball around. That ultimately played benefit to Australia. Too much one-on-one, typical United States basketball. United States didn't score in the final one minute and six seconds. Three whole possessions. And why everybody likes to go and praise Pop, and I know guys like Pop and this and that, and and, and don't get me wrong, Greg Popovich is an outstanding coach, one of the best that's ever walked the sidelines in the game of basketball. But you know what? He's got his hands full, and he might be standing in his own way. Appreciate everybody for checking out the podcast. It's Tate's Take, the podcast. Again, be looking for the remainder of the games that are going to be coming up, the 2019 FIBA World Cup in China. Team USA in Group E, 8.30 a.m. That's Eastern Standard Time on the 1st of september against czech republic another 8 30 a.m game on the 3rd of september which i believe is a tuesday 
against Turkey, and then last but certainly not least in pool play against Japan, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Standard again on the 5th, uh, which is a Thursday, uh, next Thursday against Japan. So appreciate everybody for checking out the pod, man, listening and and following. Don't forget to do that on social media. That's at Tate's Take Hoops, at T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E Hoops. Be sure to share with a friend. Uh, got some really awesome, like I said, NBA dads coming up. Going to be interviewing some uh, some of the best, biggest and best stars around the NBA. Uh, their parents, their dads, giving their dads an uh, opportunity to share some of the stories on their sons that are currently in the NBA and coming up and on that path to getting onto the NBA level. Uh, got the uh, Tate's Take, the magazine, a bunch of college basketball as we get closer to that part of the season. Going to be running through some of that as well. So keep your eyes and your ears open for all of that. Appreciate everybody for listening. And until next time, we go.